This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Fix It 101, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, ASHE Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and Licensed Contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks. You can join the conversation today by calling 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464, or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. Reminder, Fixit 101 re-airs every Saturday at 9, right before Gestalt Gardner, which comes on at 10. It makes all the sense in the world. How are you guys doing this morning? Pam, Jeff? <laughs> always let Pam go first. He always waits for me, and I always forget. Right. <laughs> You're, you're the lady of the show, Pam. So I guess I am. I always forget I'm a lady. I just right. don't think about that. <laughs> okay, so uh, how has the week gone? Have you guys stayed? It's been a nice week weather-wise, so I guess you guys have been working, huh? I've been pretty busy. How about you, Jeff? Yes. Uh, in fact, I am on location again. We are building a – started a new build uh, right off of Robinson Springs Road, about uh, 2,000 feet off of the road. So uh, <laughs> up on a hill, great view. Had to run a water line 2,000 feet, and now we are running um, power, of course, you mm-hmm. know, to get back to our build. But, but yeah, it's been a good week. Weather's been great, and uh, so we have, we've gotten some things done this week, which was fun. That is That's fantastic. Fun. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, we we were talking right before the show started. Uh, a couple of people saw this on my Facebook. Unfortunately, uh, and this is not something that I recommend or something that always happens, but I had to do it yesterday, which was dispatch a critter uh, that had decided to take my home as his own. Uh, but we're not real hot for cottonmouths in the house there. So, uh, but I had to move him to another place in in his life <laughs> the end you of moved it. him to the next life to the next phase to... right yeah right. well and you know uh, what it was no big deal i went into we have this room in my home where the uh, water heater is right and it's kind of an outbuilding but it is an enclosed indoors sort of thing but you, but you have to open a door from the outside of the home to get into it it's like a closet out back well, I opened this door uh, yesterday morning and saw something move, and I thought, man, that was bigger than I would think. I, I don't know. It just scared me to death. So I started looking around back in there, and sure enough, there had to be about a four-foot cottonmouth snake. Um, I thought it was a water snake for a little while, but then it, it, it revealed to me that it was a cottonmouth. So we had to do a, a dispatch job. That's unfortunate, but... Uh, yikes. So, uh, have you guys had any creature, uh, incidents this year? I know you go up under houses all the time, Pam. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was over in a, in an older neighborhood in Jackson yesterday and stepped over a very large creature in the street, um, who had also met their demise. Oh, really? Yeah. Flatter than a flitter, but you could tell, was quite large in its heyday, so uh, tis the season. They're all coming out and waking up, and 
they just uh, yeah, want to inhabit their little world. And sometimes uh, we cross paths and that's not such a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I hope you guys are, are having a good time finally getting to work and stuff. Anyone have any honeydews around the house that uh, they've been uh, anything going on that you need to report? I'd love to talk about. Um, I want to talk about Pam's toilet. Did you get that installed? I got that. To- I le- let me tell you. And um, I, yes, I love that thing. <laughs> you love. OK, you got a toilet slash bidet. Yeah, it's a toilet. It's a regular toilet. I got a Toto toilet, which is kind of the cream of the crop. And I bought a uh, Toto bidet seat to go with it. And um, so how it's much does really a bidet wonderful. seat go for? Well, the seat, if you go to, you know, it depends on, it all depends on what you want. Um, but about, you can buy them. How about the Ferrari of bidet seats? The, the what now? The top of the line? Yeah, the Ferrari of the bidet seats. I want the sport model. What's that? If, if you want the sport model and this thing, well, no, I didn't get the sport model, but I have a friend who has one. Uh-huh. And you walk in the room and the lid comes up and the lights come on. kind of smile at you and i believe there's even a little music playing (laughs) wow (laughs) and uh and the seat is warm and the water is warm um and that that'll uh this is a different world that i understand uh, it's about fourteen hundred dollars to get um that one mine was 326 Right. I don't have lights. I don't have an auto seat. Um, but the seat does Wait, warm. Your toilet seat doesn't have lights? <laughs> My toilet seat does not how have How lame. Light. Yeah. Man, You're right. I don't even know how you can operate. I know. <laughs> so, Jeff, are you working on anything at home? Has the wife got you, honey, doing anything? Yeah. You know, she's doing all this landscaping and. She thinks I need to get involved. Right. So, and I did. I bought a pallet of zoysia grass uh, that will be in tomorrow. Zoysia grass. That sounds like something that was on the Smurfs at one point. What is exactly? So we'll we'll I'll get one of the boys to start putting that down. So I'm doing my part. You're doing your part by getting one of the boys to put that down. (laughs) Yes. Right. Yeah. Hey, fantastic supervisor. Hey, someone has to supervise. All right. Well, uh, we've got an email in here already this morning, and it has something to do with what you just did, Pam, which is replacing a toilet. Now, check this out. Uh, Donald says, I'm redoing a bathroom. I'm changing the floor tile and the commode, among other things. Do I have to change the tile before I put the new commode in, or can the commode be mounted on the subfloor and then tiled up to the base? I'm doing this myself and was going to remove the tub and tile, a shower in that space, and uh, uh, excuse me, remove the tub and tile and shower in that space and want to do all at the same time. So is uh, the commode, do you put that on the subfloor or on the tile that you've already laid down, guys? You're you're gonna you're gonna definitely put that commode on the new tile. On the new tile. That's right. So you do That's the right. tile. You do the tile. To, consider the, the tile to go around that that base of that toilet is gonna be tricky. Okay. Yeah, consider that. Consider that toilet being part of your trims, meaning 
you know, you'll, you'll put all your trims on at the very last, your shower and tub trims, mm-hmm. your commode, all that stuff goes in very last. Okay. Okay. So, so the tile is already there and you put the tub down on top of that. Um, well, well, no, you'll put your commode, your, you, you need to put your tub in on what we would call the rough end. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I meant the commode down on top Correct. of the tile. That's right. That's right. Okay. All right. Well, that answers that. Thank now, you very much. One one thing that you may run into if this is an older home, a lot of them had what we called a mud base for the for the tile, and when you when you get all that out and you get down to subfloor, your flange on your rough is you know it could be an inch or so too tall. So what you have to do there, you have to cut the flange off and put a new flange in at the right elevation for the new tile. And what he's talking about with the flange, folks, that's the big hole that comes up from the ground. And then that hole comes up to a thing that actually you mount the toilet to. It's like, like got holes in it so you can bolt it. Um, that's that's the flange. That's what keeps the toilet to the floor and, and makes it even and, and set properly. So there you go. Number to call is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Best of number. Or fix it 101 at mpbonline.org. It's time for us to take our first break of the hour, but later in the show, we're going to talk with Andrew Hitchcock from Frondren Small Engine Repair. We talk in mowers, generators, and other small engines. Also, when we return, we'll take a peek inside your home emergency kit for a hurricane emergency preparedness week. If you've got a question and want to join the show, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, ASHE Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and Licensed Contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks. You can join the conversation this morning by calling 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. Okay, so May 3rd through 9 is Hurricane Preparedness Week. So we're looking kind of inside your emergency kit. If you don't have one, here, let's talk about this, okay? Uh, with the recent tornadoes, this has been a really big deal. It's it's kind of shown us you really need to deal with this emergency kit. According to FEMA, here are some of the things you need in your emergency kit. Okay, you ready for this? This is serious. We're in tornado area here. What do they call it? Dixie Alley or Tornado Dixie, something like that. Uh, water. You need a gallon of water per person per day. A three-day supply for evacuation, a two-week supply for home if you've got it. So if you've got a place to store this sort of thing, uh, uh, gallons of water. You need a gallon of water per person per day. Uh, Number two, food, non-perishable, easy-to-prepare items. Three-day supply for evacuation, a two-week supply for your home. 
you, of course, need a flashlight. By the way, I know that you say you've got that flashlight in the back of the drawer that's been there with D-cell batteries since 1983. Nah, you can go and get a good LED light that gets very, very bright for very cheap and doesn't use hardly any energy at all. Uh, and by the way, try to buy D-cell batteries these days. Uh, battery-powered or hand-crank radio. These are cool. NOAA weather radios, you need one of those around it. If, and if it uh, if your batteries die, the hand-crank makes it a lot easier. Extra batteries. A first-aid kit, of course. Um, uh, let's see. Well, that's, you know, those are the things that you need. Don't wait for flood insurance because typically there's a 30-day waiting period from date of purchase before your policy goes into effect. So that's a big idea. If if, if it's uh, if flood is anywhere in a part of what could happen to you, go ahead and get your insurance 30 days before because it won't matter if you wait. Um, there's an entire show dedicated to insurance. It's available for po- podcasts on fixit101 at mpbonline.org. Check that out if you're looking to uh, check out insurance calls. Right now we've got uh, Paul on the line in the Iberville. Paul, what's going on this morning? Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, I have a home. It's not in this area. It's up in Colorado. Uh-huh. Uh, and ba- recently we developed uh, a leak in the ceiling over the uh, living room. And uh, on inspection, it turns out we've been leaking from an overhead bathroom, okay? uh, some kind of slow leak. And uh, upon inspection, uh, we, we were told that it was just poor uh, cracked grout and so forth, uh, bad seals around the tub. So I've been looking into ways to remediate this problem uh, and you know, I looked into like these single unit uh, fiberglass replacements, and you know they want to charge me eight grand for something like that uh, <laughs> to replace it. So I was hoping you could give me some tips on what I can do. Is replacing the grout a feasible solution, or coating it with something that's waterproof? What options uh, do I have that are not all that expensive? Uh, Pam, any thoughts there? Well, it would depend. I mean, a leak around a tub. Um, you really want to pinpoint. I mean, if it is the grout, I guess you could uh, a cheap method, but you'd have to kind of stay on top of it. And Jeff can check me on this. You could actually regrout it and then seal that grout, but you would need to to put a sealant on it. You know, regularly. It depends on how much it's being used. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not understanding why the tub is leaking. Are we talking a shower or are we talking a tub? It's a bathtub with a shower fixture. Um, and where, where, where is it leaking? Well, we don't know exactly where because uh, precisely, but there's no leak in the toilet. Well, okay. I've, I've got a little bit better picture. The tub is not, the tub's not leaking. Um, right. The tile around the tub, I don't think, is the issue. You either have a drain that's leaking a tub drain or you have an actual solder joint or a valve that's leaking what well, i would check, do they did check the all first, the pipes and drains and they said that's not leaking okay um i would cut the ceiling out in the downstairs room it's got to be replaced anyway cut not. it out and make yourself an observation hole Go upstairs, turn the shower on, turn the tub on, and uh, start looking for for water. Yeah. Okay, well, um, 
the remediators think that they had to do an asbestos and uh, oh. remediation. And they said they couldn't, you know, we ran it all. They said they couldn't see it, and it wasn't coming from some other part of the house. And you so said you, you have asbestos, correct? We had a small percentage of, uh, I forget what it's called, crystal or something or other, <laughs> in the uh, drywall. So they had to uh, do, uh, you know, right. remediation. The pressure room and all that. And we have that piece out, and we haven't sealed it up yet because we're not sure what to do about the bathroom. Uh, so we're kind of stuck. Has anyone cut the ceiling out so you could yeah. observe where the leak is coming from? Yeah, we, we cut it all out, and they didn't. They couldn't observe any leaking when they looked at it. Huh. It's been going on for a long, long time. You know, yeah, it, it just does not make sense. I wonder if it's, it's coming from higher up. up. You know, you know, you know what I've seen in the past. What's that? When you turn the shower head on, when you turn your diverter on from tub fill to shower, that pipe is leaking where they soldered that last um, stub out for your shower head. Interesting. Running, running down the wall. Yeah, it'd be a small leak. It would only show up if the shower was running. Yeah, Interesting. We, we replaced the shower head because the man who came to look at it, the plumber. Right. Yeah. I think not. I'm talking about the uh, thing the head screws into. Yeah, it's about six inches back. Um, Yeah. Um, Okay, Paul, you know, I hope we gave you some ideas there. Uh, Keep looking around. I definitely would look for that leak, and I'm not sure, you know, uh, you may think to look even higher for that leak. It may may not even be part of your plumbing issue. It may be a leak from the roof. You know, you have no idea until you really inspect. Um, hey, guys, let me make a suggestion. Yeah, here go for, for it. Paul, something that you may want to consider doing, and I don't know who did your initial inspection, but Colorado has quite a bit of uh, good inspectors out there who use thermal imaging. And I would get somebody over there with a thermal camera. What, what we do when we do an inspection is we run all that water and then we go to the opposite wall and put that thermal camera on it. And it will literally light up an area if you've got water on the interior. And so instead of having to tear out a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. um, it's not a silver bullet, but it, it really might be useful in this application to help you discover where that water is coming from. Well, that's a great idea, uh, uh, Pam. And we were just reminded by one of our callers, Faith, who reminded us, you know, if you wanted to go low tech instead of of what you're talking about with a meter, uh, you can do the Kool-Aid trick and um, uh, pour some, some, some food coloring into, you know, your bathtub, your different things, and see if that, you know, flush it, see if that stuff comes out anywhere. The color. Well, that'll help yeah. if it's on your drain line, but it's right. not going to help on your supply. That's true. That's true. Okay. All right. Let's uh, let's keep moving. Uh, let's go to another email here before we go to the phone. Soft wood floors. Okay. Uh, this is from Catherine. She asks, what cleaners are good for soft wood floors like pine? I've heard not to use Bona. I don't know what that is, but don't use it. Uh, do you guys know of any good cleaners that one might use on a softer wood floor like pine? Well, Bona is the product that's usually used on a laminate. 
Okay. Um, and so, and you can pick that up at these big box stores. Something that a friend of mine gave me recently was a cleaner that is used, and it's made, unfortunately, it's made with isopropyl alcohol, and good luck in finding that right there. Right. But it's a mixture of that and water and Dawn detergent. And I'm telling you, I started using that a couple of weeks ago. I love that stuff. I use it on my floors. Is it something on my you can buy over the counter? Kitchen. Or is it something it's online? It's amazing. Where, where do you get it, Pam? I made it. Oh, you made it? <laughs> it's like a yeah. recipe? It's it's really amazing, and I'm going to get up and go get you the ingredients. And a friend of mine told me about it, and it's not only is it a good at cutting grease and cleaning mm-hmm. your floors, is um, you can use it and and make it yourself. And it's a lot cheaper than going out and buying some of these other chemicals. But wow, it's okay. got let's see, it's got a third a cup of isopropyl alcohol, two cups of warm water. Three to four drops of Dawn dishwashing liquid, and then you can put essential oil in it. And it says ten to fifteen drops. So I use tea tree and a lavender blend. This stuff smells amazing, and it cleans. It's just fantastic. Okay, well that, that's good. I mean, you've got a recipe there. So I've got to uh, Pam on your website on the uh, Fix It Like a Girl website. Uh, I am sure you're going to make a video showing us you making that concoction and using it. That is, what a fantastic idea. I'll get on that today. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, let's uh, let's go to the phone. Henry's on the line of Jackson. Is that right? Henry, you with yeah. us? Yes, sir. I'm here. Hey, how you doing, sir? What can we do for you today? Uh, I was trying to locate my stimulus check. Oh, well, hang on. Let me find you another show real quick. And uh, <laughs> see what we can do for you there. You know what? Hang on, and uh, we'll keep going to Craig and Biloxi. Am I right? Let's uh, go to Craig. You there, Craig? Yes. So what can I do for you, sir? Uh, I was – am I on the air? Yes, sir, you are. Okay. I was uh, – Keep it clean. Wanting, yeah, wanting to tell the uh, – the, uh, not the story, the uh, – the food coloring, he can put that on the walls because we used to use that on boats. Really? What do you mean? How does that work? Well, you can put a, uh, like if you have a leak inside of your boat, uh-huh. uh, you can put different colors in different areas. Oh. So if you did that, so if you did that with a wall, it would, it would do the same thing. I haven't had to do that, but if you have a really troublesome spot, you can do the same thing. That's a, that's a good point. So if it comes out of one place, it's green. The other place, it's red, something like that. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. That's a great idea. Thank you very much. Okay. Appreciate it, Craig. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Uh, let's uh, keep on moving here. To get another email from Amy. All right. Now, this one is going to be a little interesting, guys. I'm waiting to pull up the carpet and vinyl to redo our concrete slab by staining or painting that's tough and economical. I see there are all sorts of ways to do this. What would be better product or technique for a first-timer? Um, so what she's trying to do is pull the carpet up and either stain or paint her concrete. Can either of you guys recommend a product or or, or a way to do this? And is this something a DIYer should tackle? You can. Uh, 
you're going to have one of the things that you'll run into, and I've seen this in these older houses that folks work on, is that your tack strips around the edge. Mm-hmm. When you start popping those up, you're going to bust some holes in your concrete. Right. Um, so you've got a little bit of a cosmetic issue there, but if that doesn't bother you, you should be fine. Um, the best thing to do if I were going to do it is I would go to one of these paint stores and talk to them about the products that are available. Okay. Um, cause if you use the wrong thing, you're just going to create a mess. And by the way, folks, what she's talking yeah. about in tax scripts, if you, uh, strips, if you've never pulled up carpet, if you ever pull up carpet, the thing that's actually holding the carpet to the walls real close and keeping the carpet tight are these little nail-like tacks that come up from uh, what look like old-school wooden rulers, um, and they're, they're, they're nailed to the ground. Well, when you have to pull these things up, because they're entirely dangerous, uh, when you have to pull these tack strips up, uh, the nails work via compression in the concrete, so when you pull them up, they sometimes pull the concrete with them. So along your walls, you'll sometimes have some places where the concrete has been pulled up with the nails that held the concrete or the uh, carpet down. So look for that. It's also those tack strips are about as dangerous a thing as you can mess with in a home. And uh, definitely don't mess with those tack strips unless you've had your tetanus shot. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100%. Another thing, too, let me just give you my opinion. Yeah. Um, um, capital M mistake to do this, and uh, really? several reasons. Uh, I think you're devaluing your largest asset. Um, you can actually get a floating quality floating floor mm-hmm. in the $1 to 150 range per square foot you mean right yeah install it yourself mm-hmm. it's going to cost you a buck and a quarter to do the stain right so you're you're not going to save any money but i do think that you will possibly devalue your your assets by so, taking by so, taking the floor out well not not necessarily taking the floor out, but staining or painting that concrete floor. Concrete is porous. Gotcha. So over a period of time, it, it's not like working with new concrete. So right. I think it's something to really think about. Okay, good. Thank you for the advice. Time for another break. When we return, we'll welcome Andrew Hitchcock to the show from Fondren Small Engine Repair. If you've got one of those uh, questions about your lawnmower or weed eater, if you want to join today's show, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464, or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. We're taking your DIY questions, and when we come back, we'll talk uh, with Andrew from Finder and Small Engine Repair. We'll be right back. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. 
You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, Ashy's Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and in licensed contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks. And if you missed any of today's program, you can always listen back by podcast using any podcast app or our MPB public media app. On the phone with us right now, we've got Andrew Hitchcock from Finder and Small Engine Repair. Welcome back, Andrew. How's it going? Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, if uh, I, I mentioned this last week, uh, Andrew helped me out with my generator. I, I sent him a picture of a of a model number of an engine, and in return, he sent me a picture of a carburetor. I then went and installed said carburetor, uh, and as I mentioned last week, it, it, folks, it was only five bolts. It wasn't nearly as difficult as I thought it was going to be. It was uh, take one off, put one back on. Uh, said and done. I literally pulled the string one time and the thing cranked right up. And that oh man, that's great. that generator had not started for three years, and I pulled the string one time. And how much did it cost you? I, it cost me twenty three bucks for that uh for yeah. that carburetor. And I, I swear to you, I was I mentioned it last week in the show. I was just about to go out and you know spend whatever the seven hundred thousand dollars it took to buy a new generator, but. You know, I was able to fix it for twenty three bucks. So thanks for the help. Oh yeah, well I hadn't heard back from you, so I thought, well, he's either giving up or he's right. having so much trouble that he hasn't told me it's working. Oh no! Since I made it work, I had to spend the last part of the week building a new shed for it, so that you know wouldn't get water on it or anything. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so I guess your business is just killing it now that everybody's got nothing to do but mow the grass. Yeah, I mean that's that's so true. I mean I heard. Um, Jeff talked about his wife doing landscaping, and it's just like everybody in, in the world is stuck outside, and they're all doing, getting around to finally doing that thing that they always wanted to do. Right. Uh, that includes using this equipment that, lo and behold, is broken because it's been sitting all summer or all season. So here I am answering the college floors. So. Right, right. It's kind of funny. You know, I was at one of the big home stores last week, and I was looking for something very in particular, and I could not believe they didn't have it. You ready for this? Okay, one of the big home stores where they have, you know, thousands of pieces of this thing in racks, there was no weed cloth. You know what I'm talking about? The stuff you put down to stop grass from growing somewhere? So yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all gone. Like hmm. thousands of rolls of it were gone. Yeah. So, oh, well. All right, so we've got the phones open. Andrew's on the line. Of course, Pam Pibus is here from Inspect It Like a Girl and Jeff Simmons from Houseworks. Let's go to our first call in um, in uh, Gaucher. Drew is on the line. What's going on, Drew? Hi. Hi. I have a uh, quick tip for the gentleman with the uh, tub drain problem or tub leak problem. Okay. I've worked in maintenance and um, run into a very similar issue with a uh, tub that we could not. We opened the ceiling and could not find the leak. What it came down to was it required someone to actually stand in the bathtub because uh, it caused just enough flex no. for the rubber drain seal to pull away and start leaking. So I wanted to point out that might be something to consider as he was looking. To wow. Leak. Not something I would have ever thought, Drew. That's really amazing. Uh, Jeff, Pam, does that make any sense to you guys? It does me. Yeah, it does. If it is a fiberglass tub, absolutely. Um, leaks are hard. Leaks are hard to find on the roof and and in your plumbing systems. But uh, just if I can give you any advice at all, don't give up right. until you have found that leak. It, it, it's not going to fix itself. 
Right, right. Do fix the leak, otherwise you're going to have to call Jeff. And so, anyway. Right, and hey, I don't mind going to Colorado. Right, right. I like Colorado. <laughs> All right, thanks, Drew. We appreciate it. Let's keep moving. Uh, Harry's on the line also in Gaucher. What's going on, Harry? Hey, I got a question for the lawnmower man. Andrew, you there? Andrew, can you can you hear Harry? I can't hear anything. No. Okay, go for it. Uh, Harry, can you speak up for us? Sure. There you go. Can you hear me any better? Yeah. Oh, slightly. Go for it. Okay, look, uh, Andrew, I, uh, man, uh, the yard grew high, you know, and, uh, I broke out the mower for the first time and uh, cutting and uh, I had the blade set too low and man, I hit something under the grass and it tore that thing up, twisted it all over. Anyway, uh, what's so wild about it is uh, when I pulled the, the motor for the first time, it cranked right up and I took off with it. So then I went and I, I went down to Lowe's and I got a new blade and I put that new blade on, and uh, and I go to pull it, and uh, it would fire off for a second and then die. Fire off for a second, and, and then so I changed all the gas out. I said, well, maybe it's just old gas because it's been about three months since I used it. Fire off on the first time before I bent the blade all the hell and back. It, uh, maybe it was bad gas, so I changed all the gas out in it. But still, when I pull it, it'll crank for half a second, and then it'll die. What's going on? Were you able to hear that, um, Andrew? Yeah, I, I wasn't able to put, 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 put it together. So it sounds like he hit something, he's on his blade, he bought a new blade, he right. played on, and ever since he did it, it was... Yeah, and, and somehow, somehow, uh, putting this new blade related somehow to the engine not staying on anymore. Yeah, well, I missed it. I, did, did anybody catch if it was a, a like a riding mower or a push mower? Is, is it's it, a push mower, Andrew. Push mower. Okay. Well, I'm guessing it's something to do with your fuel. And because for you to put that new blade on, you would have had to push the mower on its side. And so you've there's probably some water trapped in your tank or somewhere. And then, you know, sloshing it back and forth, getting that new blade on it, I can almost guarantee you it made, it made its way down into the carburetor. Now, I would take the bowl of the carburetor off. I would completely drain it. I would check the jets in the bottom of the car, clean them out, and put it back together. Because it really does sound like a fuel problem. Because I see these kind of things every day. Um, I would almost guarantee it, it's fuel-related. So just, just drain the drain the bowl, get, make sure there's no water in there, and give it another shot. And if you've got any ether, you can... You know, spray ether in it as you are cranking it. And if you can keep the ether spraying in it and it will continue to run until you turn the ether off, then you know it's still related. But I can almost, again, I can almost get to you. Okay. Andrew. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like I guess you didn't hear earlier, but yeah, I did that. I replaced all the gas and I did use ether, tried to keep it going. I'm wondering, uh, since it is all new gas and that's not the issue, could there be is if the blade isn't an original blade, if it's an aftermarket blade, could it be out of balance? Would being out of balance when that shaft, would that not let it continue to run? Well, if it was out of balance, it would be very noticeable. When you would crank it, it would just like want to feel like it was breaking your wrist almost. It would be shaking so much. Okay, I have noticed a little more 
vibration than before I bent the blade and mm-hmm. on this blade. Also, I have you. Did you check your uh, your um, your crankshaft? You may have bent your crankshaft. Yeah, and uh, if the if the crankshaft is slightly bent, will that prevent your engine from continuing to run? In my experience, if it's slightly bent, it will continue to run. Um, you may get a little leak, and it may shake, you know, <laughs> shake big time, but it will still run even with the bent crankshaft. Now, if it was really, really bent, I've seen them not run, but, I mean, it would have to be really, really bent to not run. But I still, I still, I, I didn't hear the answer. When you're spraying ether in it and, and cranking it, have you tried spraying ether and letting it constantly run while you're spraying ether in it to see if you can just run it completely off of ether? Uh, I just, yeah, I messed it up, so I started, like, uh, just doing a shot of ether, you know, just to get mm-hmm. it revived, and then a shot more to try to keep it going, but I didn't continually spray ether into it. I heard You're that probably not going to hurt anything doing that, but when you did it your way, did it continue to run? Yeah, um, Andrew, I think, I think, uh, your solution of trying the ether continuously, uh, hopefully burning that water out, I guess. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work. But, um, Andrew, I think that may be the way to go. Let me ask you this. When is it time to to just take your lumps and move on to a new machine? Uh, well, that's a good question. I wish I knew the answer to that. It depends on your uh, mechanical ability and your and your hard-headedness, I would say. Your hard-headed? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I mean, if something's costing you, you know, I don't know what your time is worth. If, some, if you're having to take something in every single season to get a car rebuild, I mean, come on, just get a new one and, and you, know, you know, take your lumps, like you said. Right. So, Pam, Jeff, when's the last time you guys bought a new mower? You know, I take mine in every year and get it serviced at the end of the season. Uh-huh. So things I, I get, and I'm I'm kind of one of those people that I think if you buy something with its quality, it'll last you a little bit longer. So I'm spending, you know, three, four, five hundred dollars on a lawnmower instead of a hundred fifty. Right. So so okay. <laughs> at the end of the day, when you're finished uh, with the uh, lawn mowing, you don't just like throw it in there with the grass all over the. All over. Oh no 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 no! I I I pull my blower out and blow everything off and clean it up and and I don't ever store my lawnmower with gas in it. See, that's things that we. Those are things that's that we all tell point. other people we do, but we don't actually. Yeah, they say mechanics are the hardest uh, people in their own vehicles. So right, right. I agree with that. <laughs> Let's. Uh, you know, I, hey Andrew, I've got a question for you. I, I've got a lot of things. Oh, and good to hear from you, man. I, I wish we were in the studio so we could see each other. Um, I, I've got a lot of things that, that have motors on them. Uh, and my rule has always been um, if you're done riding it or using it that day, cut the fuel off and let it run until it runs out of fuel. And that just seems to... I just don't have a lot of engine problems, so I think that that has a lot to do with keeping your equipment running like it should. Yeah, absolutely, uh, but nobody does that. But yeah. Right. <laughs> now, the only caveat about doing that is you should not do that if you've got a large piece of equipment like a riding mower because they have fuel pumps, and you can destroy a fuel pump running them dry. 
but ah, any sort of okay. like handheld equipment or push mowers, generators, right. anything like that is fine to do. And I highly recommend it. Just like just just it. Okay. Um so so let me ask you, well, you know what, let's go on to a call. We've got some calls on the line. Kathleen's on the line. I know Psycho. Hadn't heard from you in a while, Kathleen. What's going on? I've been, I've been listening. Listen, uh, I got a tip on that uh, stain or paint on the floor. Uh-huh. It sounds good. And maybe there's an applicator or uh, merchant or what do they call it, serviceman that can actually do it correctly. Uh-huh. But. That's far and few between because what tends to happen, especially if it's in a high traffic area or say you have to drag a washer and dryer across it, Mm -hmm. it usually scratches. Interesting. That's good to know, Kathleen. And you've got to be careful because if you spend a lot of money, like I was working at the restaurant and they had artwork done on the floor, Mm -hmm. and one day the refrigerator went out and they had to take it across the dining room to get it out the big doors, well... Right where the guys went with the trolley and the shoes and all, right, scratched up, and they had to pay the artist to come back in and do it. Oh Not no! That people would go that far, but it cost them a mint. Um, if it's in a high traffic area, I, I'm old school. You know me. I go brick. You know, I'm right. like Tim the Tool Man Taylor in a female body. But if you go the old fashioned brick, especially if it's a high traffic area. I, I don't know what else to tell them, but mm-hmm. uh, that's a tip. Be careful and think about it before you invest that money in something that you pretty much know is going to get scratched. All right. Thanks, Kathleen. I appreciate it a lot. That's great advice. Let's keep moving to Richard in Lafayette County. What's going on, uh, Richard? Uh, hello. Richard, you got, got a uh, lawnmower? Yeah, I got a lawnmower. It's uh, four years old, a Cub Cadet. Had a Kawasaki V twin motor and everything, and the, and the rear end went out on it a couple of weeks ago, and I was wondering how hard is that going to be to change out. You said the rear end. The rear end, the hydrostatic transmission in the back end. Oh man, well that's a really hard question for me to answer because um, they're all so different. Um, I got one you coming can... from Florida. Okay, all right. So you've already bought the bought one. I think. Oh your yeah, I got a big... to, I think your best bet would be to go on YouTube and find somebody else doing a you know a, a demonstration of how to do it. I mean, there's some bolts, obviously, and pulling the rear wheels off and axle assemblies and belts and pulleys and stuff. But if you've got access to tools, uh, you should be able to find somebody. Uh, showing you how to do it. It's not certainly not something I could tell you how to do over the phone. <laughs> Richard, it's amazing. Another, you can almost. I got another uh, question though. Sure. About the pulling the wheels. I had to have it took in. I took it into the shop where I bought it because it had some fishing line got wrapped around the axle, made the bearing on one side start leaking. Mm-hmm. The seal on the axle. They had to take the whole back end out. To get the tire off to change the seal, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering, is there a trick to getting the back tires off? It shouldn't be that hard, should it? Um, it depends on what kind of tires it's got. I mean, they talk about the wheels. Um, I mean, it depends on. I mean, you'll have some bolts and maybe some some washers. 
I mean, that should be it. I mean, it may, it may be handy to have an impact wrench or something to get the, the stubborn stuff off of. Richard, if you knew enough to order that back end and felt confident enough that you'll be putting that back end in yourself, I think you're probably okay. What are you thinking, Andrew? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, if you knew what to order. He goes, yeah, I think if you go online and and look, there's got to be somebody showing up. Right. All right, let's let's keep moving. Uh, Homer is on the line. Uh, What's going on, Homer? Hey, how y'all doing? Very good, sir. What, what are you working on? Uh, I'm really not. Uh, oh, we, we'll be two shows down. <laughs> Since this COVID, it's a lot of stuff to do. But anyway, right. uh, and I, I, I'm just trying to do a project by so much, you know, per day. Uh, right. But anyway, this guy, the guy with the lawnmower. Uh-huh. Uh, this is a long shot right here, but. I have seen this when I was, as they say, a lot younger guy. Uh-huh. On the flywheel on the head of the lawnmower. Now, I don't know whether the lawnmower still work like this or not, but all my lawnmowers now, I, I hadn't bought a push lawnmower, and I don't win. Uh, but the, it's a key in the top of the flywheel. Now, he said he hit something real hard, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, he did. He did. So I thought about it's what you key. It's a key in the top of that flywheel. It times the the magnets in the flywheel times it to the coil. If that thing, if you hit something real hard and just, I'm talking about, move that thing a little bit, your timing, your mower is not timed anymore. Interesting. And all you got to do is take the top off of it, take that flywheel off, go find one of those keys. Uh, it sits right back in. It's going to only go in right. But if you bend that key, just I've taken them out, and you can see a little bend in them. That lawnmower would not crank up. Interesting. Yeah, that, and that is true. But but the reason I didn't suggest that is because he said he was able to get it running with starter fluid. And if the witcher's key was sheared or partially sheared, it, w- it wouldn't be able to run. Or you know, so that that's what you use the ether for. It to make sure that it's not the Wicker's key. Because if he said it didn't run with Starfoot, then that would have been my best guess as well. But if it's running with Starfoot, then it means it's got it's not getting fuel somehow. Okay. Thank you, uh, Homer. I appreciate that. And obviously, <clears throat> Homer's gone a little deeper into this in, in, uh, in his using of the engines in the past. And uh, I think that level of knowledge is, is, is pretty good. I'm glad that he was mm-hmm. able to do that. But uh, Well, you know, uh, Jason, let me just say, yeah. listening to all of this, fixing your rear end is tough. <laughs> I've heard this. <laughs> and, you know, mine wears out all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I am wearing my rear end out like crazy uh, right now. Only, only, only from Pam. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Are we say, still doing this? This stuff is complicated. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andrew. Before we completely lose sight of this show, uh, so so let me ask you a couple of uh, questions. What is usually the problem when the lawnmower won't start? All right. Well, Don't tell me gas, but go. Well, all right. It's always well. First of all, the question I always ask my customers. All right. So when was the last time it ran? Okay, and they'll say when, and I say, and did you have any problems with it then? And did they say, you? Ha- yes. Did you have what? 
did you have any problems with it then? Oh, okay. The answer is yeah. actually usually no. Say, well, I ran it a week ago, and now it won't start. I ran it five years ago, and it won't start. Right. So if it's been a long time, and it didn't have any problems before it set, it's almost always a carburetor. Um, now, if it ran last week, they always say, well, it ran, I ran it yesterday, and then it starts. So my next question is, is, well, did you have any problems with it? They say, no. And I say, okay. Did it run out of gas? And they say, well, yeah, it ran out of gas. I put some fresh gas in it, and now it won't start. I said, okay. Yeah, you got water in your gas. They said, well, how did that get there? And I said, well, you tell me. But it's always the same thing. It's always water in their gas. I've been seeing it all, all season already. Really? And I don't know. It must be a really bad season for water. Uh, but I'm seeing tons and tons of water and gas. People getting something fixed, and they'll bring it back the next day and say, I can't fix this thing for me. And I said, well, have you run it? Yeah. Did you put more gas in it? Yeah. Wow. Stop putting that gas in there. Use <laughs> a gas or carburetor. Okay. Okay. So, and the gas that you uh, that you get is supposed to be the the non ethanol type. That helps a lot. It's more of a concern on the smaller stuff, two cycle stuff. Um, something like a push mower non ethanol is not going to be as big of a deal. Now, if you're leaving it in there for a long time, storing fuel in your in your tank over a season or two, then yeah. Um, uh, but. The biggest thing is keeping dirt and water out of their gas. That's going to be where they get their gas, how they store their gas, uh, where they store their lawnmower. Um, Those are going to be big factors. Right. Okay, uh, Andrew, here's the money shot. Tell us how we can get in touch with you. Uh, You can find me on Facebook, Finding Small Engine Repair, or Google, Finding Small Engine Repair, or you can call or text myself. Seven days a week. That's seven six nine two five seven eight 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 five. Thank you, Andrew. We appreciate it. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's it's been a fun show. We've we've learned a lot about mowers. Uh, one last thing, I'll get one last question. How often should I get my blade sharpened? Depends on what you're uh, running over. Uh, a lot, I find a lot of people with you know they got teenagers. Yeah. Teenagers, you know, teenage sons that they're making mow the yard. I find those blades need to be sharpened several times a season because, you know, 15-year-old boy is just trying to get that thing done. He's running over right. Running over cinder blocks and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. You can always reach down and carefully feel the blade. If it feels sharp, then don't worry about it. If it feels dull, then it's time to do it. But otherwise, I tell people once a season. All right. Once a season. Okay. All right, folks, that's it. Uh, Fix-It 101 is a production of Pub- uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded by generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Mr. Java Chapman. Our call screener today was Jay White for Pam Pibus, Jeff Sammons, and our guest Andrew Hitchcock. I'm Jason Klein. Stay tuned for our Wednesday 10 a.m. program, Everyday Tech with Jay White. And join us next Wednesday at 9 for Fix-It 101, only on MPB Think Radio.